Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Jazz Mostert, and you're listening it to... Is, look, it's Inside great. It's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bulk, so... Um, <laughs> been, been here before. I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but... But we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickhead, you could say. It's just, it's, they're just, there's <laughs> good racing and I enjoy it. From the racetracks across Australia and around the world, here's Inside Supercars. Hello and welcome to another edition of Inside Supercars. Joining us this week, the voice of the V8 Supercars, Chad Nalen. Chad, great to have you back on the show. Craig, it's good to be back, buddy. I think it might have to be the voices of plural tonight, don't you reckon? Well, indeed, because Matt Nolte is also joining us after a special request to have both of you on the show. And I I, I hadn't realised that Matt had moved back to Perth until a couple of days ago, because I was going to say it was the first time we ever had two people who shared a house as guests on the show at the, <laughs> at the same time. But uh, I couldn't get you further apart with one in Sydney and one in Perth. No, I think you nearly fell off your chair, Craig, when you said to me, what are you doing in Perth? And I went, um, I live here. <laughs> oh, oh, right, okay. It's all good. So, so we can do this with a, can, a tin can and some wire. We'll get this done. This is no problem at all. Particularly when he, I'm he based... May have moved, he may have moved 3,000 k's away, but I can still hear him snoring. Exactly right, yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing we're not housemates anymore. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a wonder how you made it through last year, actually. Uh, but no, It's getting close, don't worry. <laughs> well, I, I tell you what, we saw some interesting racing up there in Darwin, but on Sunday morning you must have thought that half the grid were roommates that had had enough of each other because down into Turn 1 it all turned very sour. And the good news... Uh, Matt, is that Lee Holsworth has been moved back down to Melbourne, so he's closer to his family and uh, on the recovery process. Yeah, it's, it was a bit of a worry, wasn't it? We first, me and Chad both built up the fact that Turn 5 was going to be the talking point of the race, then Turn 1 traditionally has the incidents, and it's just one of those one of those things again, wasn't it? A point of impact on the, the left-hand side for Team 18, and the good news is that Lee's on his way back, a, a hairline fracture to his right hip and damages some ligaments in his right knee, which is, uh, we both sort of looked at each other in the commentary box, didn't we, Chad, and said it was more like a Chad's mustard into a Bathurst. Yeah, and Chad... Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I thought at the time, and I kind of thought that it would be the left side of his body that hurt, you know, so it's quite interesting. Mm. And, yeah. And it does, uh, once again, it, it, it highlights the real need for supercars to start looking at what they can do to to protect the legs further because we've seen over the last, well, certainly the car of the future period, we have seen some nasty injuries going right back to James Courtney and uh, the incident with Alex Premer. Now, of course, on each of these occasions, we're talking about violent side impacts of the vehicle and whilst the cars are so much safer than they were six or seven years ago, there is still what appears to be this little flaw in design that needs to be addressed as quickly as possible. Yeah, it's it's a funny one though. Like, I agree and I disagree. You know, like you're still going to get hurt doing this. Um, it's funny. You know, Lee Holdsworth's kit at Sandown was much worse. You know, and he got out completely unscathed. He had another one at um, at Bathurst in 2014, uh, the very next break, um, and he got out of that one okay. So. It was just a 
you know, the, the very angle in which it hits. I would look at more maybe the that part of the racetrack, which is funny because it, it had been reworked for safety. Um, maybe it needs to be looked at again because he hit that uh, on a very, you know, straight-on angle. So, um, yeah, the seat's probably the biggest talking point now. You know, we've been looking at the e-cell from um, the Erebus team. I mean, he was in an e-cell when he had his big two crashes at Sandown and Bathurst and got out of unscathed. So maybe that's the answer. Hard to say, but at the end of the day, you know, you hit a wall hard enough, you're going to hurt yourself sometimes. It did just happen. Yeah, and of course, we've we've seen some nasty accidents on many different racetracks before, but it's always when you have a wall that's not running parallel with the track that increases the chance of, of serious injuries. And, Matt, that's one of those catch-22 things. Track improvements at Hidden Valley have seen a tyre wall replaced with a concrete wall and of course it's not running parallel with the track no but i lost to why that that does do that down there when we flew out yesterday from darwin i looked down going why have we curved that part of the track and there was questions raised why isn't there a tire wall in front of the concrete but if you put a tire wall in front of the concrete wall it would have spat the car back out into oncoming traffic so the way they've got it now concrete is right I don't know why the angles there may be a safer barrier in front of the steel with foam uh, barriers could be inserted down there. But it's a bit of a strange one, wasn't it? Mm. And, Chad, that's the thing. It, it, a tyre barrier in and of itself, while softer, doesn't help you because, just as Matt said, you're bouncing further back. And as we already saw the carnage going on in and around the uh, the main incident, um there was just, you know, that would have just even been worse to have a car fling back in front of four or five other cars. Yeah, I mean, I've had pretty much mixed opinions on whether or not it would have. You know, some people afterwards are saying that it would have made it back on the racetrack had there been tyres there. I'd probably sit with Matt on that one and think that it would be too dangerous to even risk having it back out in the traffic. Yeah. But, you know, um, if they can put safer barriers in the Porsche curves at Le Mans, which are similar kind of fast-flowing sections, then... I can't see why we wouldn't be able to do it here, apart from obviously budget, you know, it's a fortune, that stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, that might have to be the, the, the direction that we move in. Mm. And, and, of course, it comes down to, once again, uh, Fabian Coulthard, I think, put it very well. There was, you know, 190, 197 kilometres to go. This was <laughs> very, very early in the race to be having, what was it, four cars out with serious or significant in, uh uh, incident damage. Yeah, very, very similar to 2013 incident, wasn't it, down there before the yeah. wall was changed? It, it's the nature of the beast, the way that track funnels into that spot. But when you look at a, a, a race weekend, Craig, where you had 0.1 of a second covering like 10 guys, every position that you make up in that first lap is ridiculously important on a weekend that's yeah. not that close. So if anything, the first lap was just as important, if not more important than the rest of them. Well, we need to take a break here on Inside Supercars, but there's plenty more when we return. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we're able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to do up. 
um, take the win off him. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors' family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars, where we've got Matt Nolte and Chad Nalon here with me, Craig Ravel. And guys, uh, we, we certainly talked about Lee Holsworth's accident, but... Let's talk about some very, very impressive stuff. And the first of which was Mr. Robbo Caruso. Caruso, as he's known in this team, Robbo, as he was known in his last team, taking a victory for Nissan. Fantastic effort. And across the weekend, the speed that these cars, these Nissans are now showing, there's no way they're going to want to change to a six-cylinder turbo. They've just got these V8s worked out, Chad. Yeah, as Matt and I were having this exact conversation in the pool on Monday, uh, was it Monday morning, wasn't it, Matt? In yeah. About how they've just got this thing hooked up, um, and now it'd be the worst time to go, you know, changing the direction of it. Um, just slightly off topic here, but on the subject of Nissan, I've got a question for Matt. I spent a lot of time commentating with him, and now that Nissan's doing so well, why do you say Nissan? instead of Nissan. It's always really giving me the shit. <laughs> <laughs> Just because we're so far away, you've never seen this in the box? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's actually a correct way to, to pronounce it. Is it? Yeah. It's Well, it's Sorry, two Japanese words. It's two Japanese words, one meaning ni, which is two, and san meaning three. So Nissan is the actual correct pronunciation. However... We are an Australian. Nissan is the predominant. It's like um, uh, it used to be called in the States, Datsun. That's right. Datsun. Yeah. Um, they say Nissan, don't they? Even Americans like Nissan, yeah. Nissan, yeah. 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 Uh, it, anyway, I, I digress. Um, yeah, <laughs> long story short, it would be the wrong time to be messing with that engine combination. That thing, even in a straight line now, is uh, has got a... I dotted and teased cross. It's a good, it's a good motor. Um, Absolutely. And unless Nissan were looking to, um, you know, part of their new agreement or, or re-signing with, with uh, the Kellys was that they wanted to go in a different direction, I can't see them moving away from the V8 formula anytime soon. Mm. It, it, the big question, though, of course, Matt, is are Nissan going to commit to next year or beyond? And that is something that a win like this would have you think that they would do better. But then Volvo was doing extremely well and have had to pull up stumps. Yeah, well, certainly we've not heard nothing of that nature that's uh, going to move away from it. Anything, thank you. Um, yeah. Of that nature that they're going to move away from the sport. And, and why would you after, after success? They're just getting better and better. And I've said this since... Uh, the test day last year. You're not going to make these monumental gains of 10 positions and then stay there. They've just been quietly snacking up the field. Uh, and I'm sure there's going to be more wins to come this year. It wasn't just Caruso on Saturday, guys. Todd Kelly was impressive on Sunday, albeit getting caught up in that moment on the main strain. Rick Kelly's been consistently quick all year. Yep. Yeah, it, it, as it was, it was Caruso to get the win. And, uh, you know, I think... It was an important victory for Robbo, who had uh, who had made the decision to leave Gary Rogers to go to Nissan. It's paid off here after what has been a, a pretty hard road for many years. And, uh, you know, whilst the Kellys have obviously had that hard road too, 
when it's your business, it's a lot easier to suck it up than it is when you have been on a high and and on a trajectory that was going to take you to big things and then to have it stall, not from your own mismanagement. Yeah, I kind of uh, kind of had the feeling we were going to see more out of, of Michael when he won that as well. Like it was also, maybe it was just the fact that it was a zillion degrees and he'd just been put through the ring fairly severely, but he seemed just so controlled when he got out of the car. You, you would agree, Matt? Like we was yeah. right above you bet victory lane and he just didn't even look, it was probably just that he was so tired, but he just didn't look that over the moon about it, you know? No, Matt, I saw the the, uh, the coverage this afternoon just before we went to it tonight, and it was, um, you could tell when he got out of the car, there was more emotion in there as well, that they were drained, and particularly on the cool-down lap, when he spoke back to the crew, there was this sense of like, that's a relief, but we know we still have a lot more to do. It's going to be interesting to see how they progress to Townsville and, and on towards Sandown and Bathurst now because they've got real momentum, they've got good speed and they haven't got a chance at the championship without being too coarse. But the Pertec Cup is a decent trophy and, and as Larry Perkins said, the only thing people remember is who wins Bathurst. Very true. <laughs> very true. Yeah, very true. <laughs> um, Combinations. I mean, who knows? You know, you look at the, the, the past winners of Bathurst, and any combination can really win it. But they not meaning it's going harsh, but um, they don't have a luff and tanda combination in any of those cars. Fury and Crusoe is a pretty good combination. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, Matt Campbell, love him dearly, still a rookie. Russell Ingle, other end of the scale. So I think they've still got a bit of work to do on that one. But, I have a lot of work to do in that, in that front. So if it's going to be any car, it'll be the 23. Mm. And Chad's right. There's so many dynamite combinations now across the Pertec Enduro Cup. Is. The talent pool's really, you know, at the top end of town, isn't it? Well, that's why, I guess, if we're going to talk about those combinations, that's why the Prema Wing Cup combination has, is such a fascinating one. In, in Prima Van Gisbergen. Oh, sorry, yeah, sorry, Prima yeah. Van Gis, yeah. It's such an interesting... Uh, so that's news to us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a breaking story right now. Uh, no, that, yeah. is a, that is a dynamite combo. Um, you know, let's... let's oh, geez, we'll be here all night if we start delving into the good combos that are in the first second during the cup, but... Um, as usual, Red Bull have their ducks in line. <laughs> yes. Well, let's talk about Red Bull because on Sunday, after 200 kilometres, it was a uh, Red Bull victory. Van Gears, in my mind, from my vantage point, seemed to have it all, everything in control, well in a row. Good little shunt to get his old um, car out the way and and get it, you know, into the uh, into the uh, slow into lane. The and uh, he was he was away then and, and never headed. But was it that cut and dry from where you were sitting? Chad? Um, well, any any race weekend where it's point one in it, you know, I probably wouldn't say so. No. Uh, I More could have happened at that restart. You know, Tim Slade, probably, maybe he was just super stoked to be second, but um, I thought they could have put a bit more pressure on SVG under the restart. But having said that, you know, this weekend is really the triple crown that went begging for Shane. Had he not made that tiny, tiny error on the restart with Caruso, I mean, he just misjudged that by half a car length. If he had gone that tiny bit later, he would have got the move stuck down there at turn one. He would have won that race. Saw what he did Sunday. That would have been the triple crown. So pretty, pretty dominant sort of stuff. 
Um, but that's two weekends where he could have got two wins where a mistake has crept in and, and snatched it from him. Mm-hmm. Obviously, what happened at Simmons Plains. Yeah, indeed. So we're going to talk about a couple of things on that long straight after the break here on Inside Supercars, but uh, we're just going to take a break now and uh, come back with more here on Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back, and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars with Chad Nalen and Matt Nolte, the voices of supercars. <laughs> and, uh, guys, before the break, uh, you were talking about the Van Gisbergen um, error on the restart. The long straight, I think it's the second longest straight in supercars competition because Eastern Creek, I think, is the longest still at 1.2 kilometres. And Conrod. What about Conrod? Conrod's got uh, uh, chicane halfway down. It would still be longer, wouldn't it, surely? No, I think it's shorter because of the the chase. Hmm. Mm. We'll have to go to the record book. Yeah, all right, anyway. Get Noonan on the line, he'll know. He will have pasted. He he would have it in you know size eight feet. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we we have a a hiccup that you talked about with Van Gisbergen, and we also have our series champion making a god awful mistake down in the braking zone and and punting Todd Kelly out the way it. It was a fascinating weekend, just that little piece of track in and of itself. And and you also spoke about the other end where we had some very poor restarts across the weekend as well with um, Tim Slade, who uh, managed to make a meal of it. But to the Van Gisbergen one, overlapping is okay, but it's always been a rule since they brought in the overlapping rule. You can't overtake before the control line and that, just seemed like a very, very big rookie error from a, a very experienced race car driver in Shane Van Gisbergen, Chad. Uh, yeah, you know, just going back to the, the Winslottom one, though. Oh, we're going to that next. That, right. We're doing the well, Van Gis one first. All right, I'll give you the Van Gis one first. Like I said, that was a, a, a very small judgment of error. And, and to be fair... A lot of that comes back to the, the nature of that circuit because the way you enter the front straight there, the, the safety car struggles to get away in time from the field, which banks them up a lot more than normal. So I did a really good job of fixing that on the Sunday. But remember when we used to have the acceleration zone boards? It was very similar on the weekend that um, Caruso didn't really have a chance to go until quite late on the straight when he got around. So by that point, Van Gisbergen was committed. He would already draw level, um, and then 
you know, if he had backed off and given a spot back to Caruso, he would have fallen back, you know, probably another three or four spots. So I guess he figured he might as well keep in it. And a lot of the time, you don't really know exactly when that line's coming up too. So it's, it's pretty hard to judge. Mm, Matt, do you uh, accept it was... Uh, it was a hard to judge, or do you just go? I know where I know where the other car is. My team is going to tell me when I can go past. I've just got to hold back a bit more and uh, allow the whole team to play its part. Well, I guess I mean we haven't really touched on the fact that the the control line is actually the next line up from the start line here at Darwin. It's only been like that for the past two years. So had it gone back to the normal control line, he would have been safe because he'd gotten past a bit further down. Well, he wasn't the only one. If you look back through the field, there was a couple of other cars that overlapped before we got to the line. Now, what they're saying is that you can pull out, but you just can't go past. But you need 26 sets of eyes to see that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's, yeah. Overlapping legal parking. Yep, and... It's right, yeah. And unless someone's going to review the tape that's locked off on that line, only one person's going to get pinged, and that's the guy who made the pass to the lead. Yeah, yeah. All right, we'll move on to Frosty Winterbottom because it certainly wasn't a frosty weekend at Darwin, but uh, that might explain why he was uh, defrosting his championship at a rapid rate of knots. <laughs> uh, he'll be back. I, I don't know. I, I think the Todd Kelly incident on that restart was a lot more 50-50 than people... Say and and certainly the fact that you know Frosty got pinged for it. Todd's car was definitely not going straight in the braking area, in the braking no. zone. <laughs> and typically that is a not a if not a no no, but definitely something that you uh, could use to get off a crime, so to speak. Yeah, but you, know, you could use that in your defence if you're if you're Frosty. Mm. But well, no, Frosty because Frosty had made the move. Todd had Todd come across. Faster. Todd came across to block. I'm not going to say he didn't try to block. Todd came across to block, and then Frosty decided that, shoot, I better go over and block, um, I think it was Slady who was trying to do the bonsai run. And that's when yeah. he tried to cut across, but he'd already overlapped, which then speared Todd off. Yeah, 50-50. I'm, I'm with Chad on this yeah. one. We've seen incidents over the years. I'm going to go right back 20 years ago when the two DJR cars got together up at Surface Paradise. Just outbreaking each other. They moved across at the last second and they made contact. Oh, but um, there's no yeah. way you can call that a racing incident. Which one? The, the, the Winterbottom the, one? The, the Winterbottom one. That's not a racing incident. That's just bad driving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on Todd, Todd moved twice. Todd moved twice. No, and, yeah, and well, breaking though. Okay, I didn't see. I didn't see it as Todd moved twice. I just saw it. Todd moved once. Watch, watch Frosty's on board, looking forward, All right. and it shows it a lot more. Mm. So right. That was the first replay they they showed. I thought, oh, when I first looked at it, I thought, well, that you know, Frosty didn't have a, a you know, well, yeah, he had a huge part to play in it, but I didn't see it as one hundred percent his fault. And then when mm. you see the external views, it looks bad on Frosty. Yeah, but the the onboard of of Mark's car looking forward, I really thought Todd moved twice. Okay, and you're both in agreement yep. here, so it's no point me <laughs> yeah. fighting this battle. <laughs> no, it's, it's rare. It's what makes it so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the so the restarts certainly on Sunday when the when the um, safety car got out the way earlier, 
it did allow for what we thought would have been a better um, restarting procedure, but it seemed to fall completely flat, and Slady just completely missed it. And the yeah, onboard showed that, didn't it? He was pulling his belts down still on the run through 12 and 13. By the time he got settled in, Van Gisbergen was gone. Uh, it's a tricky complex for a restart, probably one of the trickiest ones we have anywhere on our tour. I mean, we go to Townsville, the next one, which is similar to the restart procedure in reverse to Adelaide. It's more of a hairpin where once you get there, you go. But this one, you've got so many curves before you get to that final turn. It's always been a tricky restart. Yeah, and Shane got to go... That was the only restart where the leader went before the apex last corner sort of thing, you know, like he was kind of right in it when he went. So um, all the other restarts happened so much after, like a long way after the last corner. So maybe Tim was expecting that to happen. Hmm. I know. I never had a chance to talk to Tim after that one. It's going to be interesting because Slady obviously has shown that he's got a bit of, he's got a good speed. And if he can keep this sort of consistency going, he's another car that is going to be a potential threat for San Anna Bathurst. Yeah, yeah particularly the high grip circuit, hey, Matt? Like the mm. Winton and Darwin are particularly high grip circuits. So um, I'd expect him to be pretty good at those two tracks. Maybe Bathurst has been yeah. you know, repaved. Yep. Yep. So. Yeah. Could be an interesting could be an interesting October and we say that every year. We'll take a break and be back with more here on Inside Supercars. I hope you'll stay with us. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso. And And you're you're listening listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars with Matt Nolte and Chad Nalen from Supercars Media. Is that the correct term? I can never keep up. It used to be V8 Media. It is. We got it right. You've got it right there. Finally, it hasn't got V8 in it. As long as it hasn't got V8 in it, you're doing okay. Uh, right. uh, except for the <laughs> engines of the cars. That's just that's that's the only thing that's got V8 in it these days. The um, the HRT. The I think yeah. Courtney's hormone replacement therapy or the team. No, well. I, they tried a bit of that with the team, didn't they? They changed their engineering staff. They threw everything out and put the uh, baby back in the empty bath. But um, it, it didn't really go well on Saturday. Sunday, somehow, Courtney gets himself up into the, the top five through the shenanigans. But would you rate their weekend as a success in any any level? You, you go qualifying. Not from qualifying, certainly in a... In a race, I mean, it had that door come up for Garth Sander on Saturday. I mean, he was he made nine spots up in the first five corners, and then we got the shot of him with the door missing down there. So to get what he got out of that race is probably you know, a small consolation. But I thought James Courtney's run on, on Sunday was fantastic, and hopefully, just hopefully, that's the turnaround they need. But was, was that a turnaround on the car was better, or was that just a product of, you know, five cars out in the first turn and... They shuffled the deck when they all went out. No, oh, that, how many was times just, that was just Saturday. 
So GT legitimately passed cars on the, on the yeah. Saturday. And I, yeah. you know, a lot of cars crashing plus stacking helped Courtney, but they still had to hold that position and have uh, good car speed to make it work. They're, they're so good at engineering their way to the front. You know, Even without Alec being in that spot now for Courtney, they've still managed to do it again. Alex Somerset's a pretty switched-on guy. But I think, Rob Starr. You know, yeah, with Rob Starr going back to that team, that seems to me like a real back-to-basics move. So they're just going to try and go back to learning the car before they can extract that, you know, that speed. I, this this field being as close as it is, you know, what nine tenths covered the field on Sunday. You can't make an engineering change. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> excuse me, you can't make an engineering change and expect this to take you to P1 overnight. You know, this is going to be a, a classic 14-day test that won't happen overnight, but it will happen sort of thing. I think. <laughs> it's um, it, it is. <clears throat> fascinating to see how the fortunes are are moving because we've spoken about nissan we've spoken about volvo we know what ford's doing but holden is still sitting on the fence now maybe if they pull their collingwood money they'll have something to put into supercars but at this stage it's um going to be interesting of where that's going to come up that won't go down well with Chad, that comment, by the way, but uh, for the retaliation for the Nissan <laughs> yeah, comment, I, I guess. Yeah, I just changed my final thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we know who would you rather be, Eddie, Eddie or Caroline? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no <Yes>. comment. <laughs> well, you know, this is, this is the interesting thing. If there's only going to be one team getting Holden money, you really want to turn your form around if you're HRT. I'm sure that I'm sure they're very well aware of that, and that's why they've put in the the changes they can to, to make that happen. If you know that it does go down that path, but you know, Holden have a pretty good history of uh, sharing the love around. Mm. So I, I imagine they'll try and even you know look what they do with with Lucas Dumbrell Motorsport because of the Nick Perkat um, connection. So uh, yeah, I think it'll be fairly widespread still. Mm. Hein Gardner's form was good on the weekend too. <laughs> yeah, I qualified Nick twice. That's a huge effort in the same car. Yeah. Uh, after Nick had engine dramas and everything at Winton, so it's sort of been a, a rough ride for Nick lately since he... Well, a rough ride since he won at uh, Clipsal, really, Matt. Yeah, well, it's been a... The, the, the Sunday race there was a, it was, a, it was a lottery the best of times, wasn't it? So I was impressed with Andre's efforts. He wasn't just lucky in the races. He was good in, in the practice sessions as well as the qualifying on... On Sunday, probably unlucky too, Chad, was he not to make the top ten shootout? Yeah, he, he was in there for a while after the initial runs and only got bumped down. We, we noticed that just heading into the last tie run, he was still tenth, and he missed a lot of the Friday session as well, early Friday session because it knocked an oil light off it or something. So he, um, he had a cracking little weekend, I thought. Yeah. Mm. Now, Matt, should there have been a penalty for Van Giers knocking Davison out of the way in the uh, in the pit lane? It's it's been a pretty controversial whole deal that you know early pit stop with uh, what was it twenty cars all trying to get down yeah. pit lane at the same time and, and a medical car yeah well of course yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah a tough one it's another one where it could have gone either way there was definitely contact was there a safety infraction probably um, but there was so much going on in that lane um, they probably had their eyes watching everywhere else I, I don't know whether. Will could have moved the car a bit further, but it would have blocked the other cars coming out. And pit lane stacking has always been a drama. Since we've gone to single booms, 
many, many years ago. And let's face it, 15 years ago, they took that many booms out because we were trying to cram 36 to 40 cars into a lane that just simply couldn't handle it. Um, but uh, like Chad said, having a tenth of a second covering that field, and we thought they were going to split strategies here, and that was what we thought started the race. But no one expected that sort of carnage on the first lap. Yeah, and it was dump as much fuel in as you could get. That that became yeah. the mantra. And uh, I guess it comes back to they've changed the formats again and it's it's fast becoming, everyone knows, they've got to get the fuel in as quickly as possible because they don't want to have situations like Adelaide where the race gets red flagged but you get thrown out because it's gone half race distance but you haven't put the fuel in. It, it, it's now yeah. It's now predicating what the strategy has to be on unlike a situation where you can just run your strategy and we'll work it all out at the end if there is an unusual situation. Yeah, but that, that was the point of the fuel drop, wasn't it? So it would, it would you know, it would affect strategy, I guess. Uh, the point of the fuel drop was actually for um, parity, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. Uh, not all the engines burnt fuel with the same efficiency. Yep. But I, I don't mind the strategy game that it adds. But, you know, we can argue about... Um, stacking until cows come home, but it just frustrates No, exactly. And it, it just frustrates me when one team stacking causes another team's issue, like the Davidson and Van Gisbergen one. The first time we really, really, really saw it. Mm. Yeah. I remember um, Prema having a stack at Sandown. Well, not even stacking, he had to wait in the fast lane trying to get out of the pit while someone else was stacking, another team. Yep. You know, it sucks that someone else's race can be ruined because another team is having to stack when you're ahead of your teammate and you're not needing to stack. And I think the cheeky thing is a lot of drivers who are stacking are not making much of an effort at all to get out of that fast lane. Yep. They're it, using that almost as an excuse to park their car there and just go, well, I have to wait here. If and you hold everyone up behind them. Yep. It's the AFL ducking. It is the equivalent of the AFL ducking. The yeah, that's stacking probably more the issue that needs to be looked at here. There is just enough room to be able to pull in behind someone, at least make half a better effort, you know? Hmm. And hell, if I was Will Davidson and I knew that I my race was about to be ruined because of stacking, I too would be parking it there. <laughs> yeah. You know? But if you're going to do that, be prepared to be moved by someone. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. All right, a break, and then the white flag lap next here on Inside Supercars. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page, and to ask a question... Email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors and the family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. White flag, flag lap now with McNulty, a final thought or observation. From the weekend, very impressive with Nissan, and I hope they carry it on to Townsville. Um, I hope we continue to see the trend of, of new winners. I honestly thought going to, to Darwin we might have seen uh, maybe DJR Team Penske's first win, but to see both the cars out before lap 10 was was pretty hard to see, but I think they're the next ones that uh, are going to collect the win. All right, Chad Nalan, a final thought or observation? Um, 
I, I can't look past what happened at the Circuit de la Sarthe. This is I grew up a massive Toyota fan through their WRC days. I used to work for Toyota. Um, I was a huge fan of their very ill-fated Formula 1 effort, apart from that one glorious pole position at Indy. Um, and watching that team with the GT1 car in the 90s nearly win Le Mans and then finally nearly win Le Mans on the weekend, I was so ready for a celebratory tweet in the last few minutes. <laughs> and watching it back still hurt to see that thing pull up that close. And I can't imagine what it must have been like in that team. But having said that, um, after actually getting a chance to listen back and, and watch some of that um, that race, how cool it is uh, to see and hear Jeremy Moore in that role. You know, here's a guy who was engineering uh, in supercars just over two years ago uh, and doing such ridiculously awesome stuff overseas. You know, we talk so much about what Daniel Ricciardo's up to and uh, what Marcus Ambrose achieved in America and, you know, all our international motorcycle riders, but there is a guy who is achieving on the world stage just as much as anyone else that we've produced in this country, and it's pretty darn cool. Mm. Oh, yeah, it was, and what a what a fantastic race. 23 hours and 57 minutes, you're at the front of the field, and at 23 hours, 57 minutes and 5 seconds, you are stalled on the start-finish straight. With a left Just wasn't to go. fair, was it? Yep, it was absolutely <laughs> un- unbelievable. But the game show that rocks the nation, who would you rather be? And for Chad Nalen, <laughs> who would you rather be? Would you rather be Brad Scott, $30,000 fine for <laughs> giving the umpires a, uh, a poor rap? Or Eddie Maguire, who has got the entire female nation against him after he bundle, bungled a number of apologies, and hasn't actually received the slap in the way of a fine from the AFL. It would, um, you know what, even through all of uh, Eddie's little misdemeanours over the years, I would choose being Eddie Maguire over just about anyone. (laughs) I'd totally rate it. (laughs) Uh, That's not just because I'm a one-eyed Collingwood fan, but uh, (laughs) I I just really have a lot of respect for the guy for what he's achieved as as a journalist. As a TV presenter, he's exceptional. Um, as a radio presenter, he says a lot of stuff that he shouldn't, which is not good. Um, but I, uh, I would take being Eddie and, and living Eddie's life, and I'm sure, wait, you know, uh, sitting out the occasional storm is uh, is all part of being Eddie Maguire. Mm. All right, Matt. Think Nol- about all those years hosting the footy show, how much fun would that have been? Mm-hmm. Matt exactly Nol- right. Yeah, <laughs> that's our dream job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Matt Nolte. For you, who would you rather be? Nakajima, who is out of the race on the last lap while leading, or Mark Webber, who is out of the race early on? And I guess it's more the position you're in than the actual people here because, of course, there was three people in each car affected by these uh, events. So would you rather be out of the 24-hour race early knowing your fate or would you la- rather it come down to the uh, the final lap of the race before you know? No question, Mark Webber. I said this on Sunday night, didn't I, Chad? You'd rather go you did. one than go the whole way through. And I don't think I could handle that sort of heartache at the end of the race. I'd rather go, all right, well, we're out, that's it, nothing we can do about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or get right to the end where we've almost got the champagne ready to pop and you sit there and how would you feel? Would you ever recover from that? So not for me, Mark Webber. All right. Matt? 
pleasure having you on the show. Uh, not a bad debut for mine. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Chad Nalan, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much, and uh, well done, Matt. I give you I give you three stars for that effort. Mm. Oh, good on you, Matt. That's, a, that's pretty good coming from you. He didn't yeah. tell you it was out yeah, of ten, though. Uh, that's, all <laughs> yeah. that's all we have time for this week on Inside Supercars. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. Inside Supercars.